1: everyone. Welcome back. It is Jay Scott. It is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate rock Media Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and giving us a listen. Once again, we do appreciate it. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts. You can find something for your taste on pantheonpodcast.com and on all social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Pantheon Pods, everything from vinyl to blues to everything. And it's also the official podcast platform for Metallica and their podcast, too, as well. So go check out all the wonderful hosts and all the wonderful podcasts on that platform. You can also search up The Hook Rocks on all three social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at The Hook Rocks. Don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get the latest episode right to your phone. We've had some amazing guests lately. We just had Tracy Guns on talking about Eddie Van Halen and celebrating his life on the third year anniversary of his passing. We had Chris Voss from The Record Company, great blues rock band, too, that has just been incredible over the past decade. We also welcome Brett Emmons from The Glorious Sons, a great band out of Canada that is touring right now in support of their new album, Glory. And we also ranked the top albums of the third quarter in 2023 so please check that out as well we've got an amazing artist as our guest today you guys know i love the blues i talk frequently about it growing up in chicago i was hearing the blues in the womb and we have one of my favorite artists in blues in blues rock and that's joanne shaw taylor what's happening how are you
0: i'm good how are you
1: doing i'm doing well you're on a tour bus right now
0: I am on a tour bus right now. We're uh, outside a venue in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. We've been going out. Uh, we've been out for about a week now. So, uh, yeah, okay. rock and rolling in the free world.
1: There you go. There you go. Uh, we <laughs> always we always start the same way every time we have a first time guest, and that is the essence of our show. Just like every rock and roll fan has a, or every rock song has a hook that pulls you in. Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you?
0: Uh, For me, it was Steve Ray Vaughan, Live at the Elma Combo. I was 13, and I decided I was playing classical guitar, and I wanted to play electric. And uh, my dad played me a video of Stevie, and um, that was it. I was immersed in the blues. What was
1: that journey like for you, You know, starting out with Stevie Ray Vaughan? and, And where did that journey go? once you once you discover this this great genre of music.
0: Well I mean as a, a guitar player I pretty much lean really heavy into the, the Texas side of things. I really like that kind of you know, you were saying you were from Chicago. I, for me, Texas guitar players have always been a bit more aggressive, I suppose, you know, if you think of Albert Collins and Freddie King and um, you know, Blues borderline rock. Um so I dug really deep into all that kind of stuff. And then, to be honest, I, I kind of had to journey away from blues because I wanted to, to sing. And, you know, guitar's a gender-neutral instrument. I could try and make it sound like Albert Collins and borrow a bit of Stevie and a bit of Buddy Guy. But, you know, when it came to trying to learn to sing, I couldn't sound like them. So I had to um go and find some female influences. So that kind of led me down the, the soul route, um, or old R&B, I'd say, you know, Tina Mavis, Aretha, um and then, you know, some more of the, the rock Chips heart, uh, Stevie Nicks, you know, that kind of stuff. So um, that kind of changed the, the journey for me a little bit.
1: When you talk about the guitar and you talk about Stevie, he's regarded as one of the greatest guitar players ever. You talk about Freddie King, who's criminally underrated as a blues player and mm-hmm. Buddy Guy, too, as well. who No one bends a string like Buddy Guy. You know, how did you formulate your own style? through all these influences?
0: You know, I think it's, it's the same as a lot of self-taught players. I think you just have to take bits. You have to steal bits, you know, um, that's what they did. You know, Stevie took from Jimmy and Albert King and, and that's, you know, same thing. I loved Albert Sobrato. Um, and some of the, like the, the you know, he would pluck the guitar string to make it sound really funky. Um, I stole a lot of the raking technique from Stevie and you just kind of beg, borrow and steal, you know, the bits that you like. And then, essentially try and wrap it up in your own, you know, use it to say something that only you can say.
1: I ask this question often of guitar players that when you look at the instrument of guitar on its surface, it's a very limited instrument. However, it's up to the player to unlock beyond those limits. How did you attack that? How did you find a way to unlock your sound and your style of playing?
0: Well, I think the thing that attracted me to blues in the first place was that I'd been playing classical guitar and I'd been doing quite well at it. I got into Birmingham Youth Ensemble and was kind of touring around with them when I was 10 to 12 years old. And I loved playing guitar, but I just found it very stifling, I suppose, having to read music and, you know, the same piece every night, not deviate from it. And the thing I loved about blues was, now, particularly when I saw Albert Collins, he had just the strangest technique that no one would ever recommend you learn to play guitar like that, you know, um, but it worked and it sounded like him. And I think that was really the journey for me was how do I make this instrument sound like me so that when you hear me play, you know, it's, you know, Joanne Shaw Taylor. Um, and the same with, with songs, how do I use this instrument to uh, convey, you know, put my heart into songs and, and talk about things I'm going through and, and try and make people feel something, you know, that was the, the big challenge, um, which was also really freeing, you know, cause then you can't go wrong if that's what you're, you're trying to do, you know, because there's never been a Joanne Shaw Taylor, so she can sound like whatever I want it to sound like. Um, and again, you know, no rules. So I, I, that's kind of the approach I took to it. Just have fun with it and see where it goes.
1: You mentioned your background in classical guitar, which is, more technique oriented it's very you know structured where blues is uh. all feel and emotion how did you uh-huh. transfer that knowledge of classical guitar into blues playing was there a difficulty separating the two and, and merging those influences or was it just you know a a straight you know forgetting what you learned and just relearning the 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 the, the, the guitar
0: yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like a different instrument, really, you know. Um, I always, It's like people ask me why I don't play slide, and I'm like, well, that's a whole other instrument. Just because it's played on the same instrument doesn't mean it's a completely different way of approaching it. Um, you know, and I think that's the same with classical guitar to an electric guitar. Um, so it was the, it was pretty easy to kind of approach it in a whole new way. Um, the one benefit, I will say, is because I learned to play with finger-picking with my right hand, that really benefited me in having that extra kind of palette there um, you know it, a lot of blues players like to use their right hand because they grew up playing you know country acoustic blues um, and it just gives you a, a connection to the instrument that's you know essentially not being blocked by a piece of plastic um, which I do use a pick but I do finger pick a lot as well so um, you know that was a, that was a good benefit having that strong right hand
1: Blues is such a emotional genre of music in fact I believe it's probably the only part or only genre of music that is based solely on emotion because it's all in what the individual is feeling and it's all in how they transfer those emotions onto the guitar and have the guitar speak for them And what's amazing about blues is like, you can have 10 different versions of the same song and everything sounds different just by the player, the way they phrase, the way they attack, the way they, you know, pick the strings. How do Uh, you, how do you get the emotion from within yourself out with, with the blues? How do you, how do you transfer those emotions from within you?
0: um, Oh, that's a hard question. Um. I mean, there was no, looking back, there was no thinking about how I do this. That was the the um, the reason I wanted to play, was that I just could use it as a vehicle to be, you know, emotional. So it, I don't think you need to overthink it as such. Um, it's hard to explain. I guess it's like dancing, you know, essentially. it's um, It's kind of connecting to the music and the rhythm and... There's a great quote by Miles Davis that said, learn your instrument inside out, then forget it all and play. And I think that's very important to not think about what you're doing um, and just kind of uh, kind of head into that music with the band behind you and treat it as a dance, you know, listen to what's going on around you. and um, Yeah, I think that's the best way I can describe it.
1: Because <laughs> it's, it's so interesting. You know, I, I think blues is the one true american art form you know it started in the delta came up to chicago obviously there's you know parts of texas that became heavily into the blues and it's so interesting how different regions have similar influences but yet also different influences and and it's what makes the genre so unique because there is there is so many players of like the original guys that have that came up and you know like you said you're you, you like what Albert Collins is doing and Stevie Ray Vaughan. And there's people that, you know, Otis, talk about Otis Rush or Magic Sam, you know, and those uh, players. It's so amazing just how the blues for decades, for generations, really was at the forefront of music. And it's also at the same time, when you think about that, it's kind of sad that it's really gone into the background because it is such a beautiful uh, genre of music.
0: Yeah. I mean, but the plus side is with blues, as I always tell kids coming up that, you know, like, listen, I'm really good friends with Joe Bonamassa. Everyone knows that he's pretty much the biggest name in blues right now, but I can walk into any bar with him and most people don't know who he is. You know, he doesn't get, doesn't need a security guy or anything. He's not, you know, a household face. Um, but you can have a career at this, you know, on the road, you can, there are plenty. It's kind of underground and niche, but it's, it, it's a big, very supportive, audience um and you can work for as long as you want you know i mean i don't think bb stopped you know playing till he was you know a couple of years before we lost him and i mean buddy guys just announced he's retiring retiring and he's like 86 or something you know um so you can have a good living doing something you know you love to do so um you know this you can't say that about a lot of genres rock and pop you know usually you got to make it big and you got to you know make the most of it while for a few years
1: I think it's just because the fan base for blues is so loyal to the genre. It's so loyal to the players and always looking for young and exciting talent. And, you know, it'll always live on because it's got so much history to it as well. When you look at, you know, American history and how blues is intertwined with that history, with the civil rights Uh movement and with slavery and all the things that encapsulated blues, it's such a fascinating fascinating story that is told and, and not many people yeah. in, in the newer generations really realize that.
0: Yeah. I mean, to be honest, that is part of the thing that attracted me to it. When I, you know, we didn't study American history at school. I grew up in a small village in Europe, so we did, you know, Roman empire and, and world war two. And I didn't, knew very little about America. So and I'm a big history fan. So it was really interesting to delve into that and understand, you know, that period of, of history. Um, You know, which is very rich, but it's also, as you were just saying, it's got a little fan base. But blues is also incredibly versatile because it's really just a feeling. You know, it's not a technique, as you said earlier. It's how one musician approaches um, expressing themselves. So it can always, you know, blues could be Freddie King or Albert Collins, or it could be Sunhouse, or it could be Bonnie Raitt, and you know, uh, the fabulous Thunderbirds, or John Mayer. You know. Um, So it is very, you know, a versatile music.
1: It also has to be therapeutic too as well, because you have an outlet that allows you to play what you feel and allows you Mm. to speak what you feel too as well. I mean, that has to be something that maybe isn't appreciated as much as it should be because it's just, like I said, it's all based on feel and emotion and it's just amazing how, you can get so much out of what you're feeling and how you're playing.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, sometimes fans ask me, like, why does this album sound like this? Why didn't you go heavier or do this? And it's like, because that's not what I was feeling. And the, my job is to make you feel something. So if I'm not feeling it, if I'm just kind of, oh, we should do four rock songs and, and three solo ones and three blues ones. You know, it's not paint by numbers. I got to play stuff that I really feel in order to make you feel it. Um, so I think that's the most important thing as well. It's just authentically being yourself, you know?
1: Yeah, it's just, it really is. I mean, when you have emotion or if you're feeling something inside, whether it's anger, happiness, do you hear music? Do you hear how it feels?
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely write from that point of view. Um, you know, it's like, there was a, a song recently that everyone said was quite poppy and it was like, it was about a breakup. I was going through a breakup and you know, that's going to be a melancholy kind of song. It's not going to be, because that's the kind of person I am at. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do a death metal angry song, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, you definitely, uh, yeah, you, you hear what you feel.
1: and match what you're playing, what you feel. Was that a challenge for you?
0: It was a really big challenge. Actually, I struggled to write for a long time. And then I kind of had a bit of an epiphany I'd written. uh, The first song I ever wrote is the first song on my first album. It's called going home. And I'd gotten this kind of bluesy, dark guitar part. And I couldn't figure out what to write about. And then when I was at school, when I was 12, my school friend, Um, hung herself over the the Christmas break and unfortunately passed away um, and didn't leave a note. And, you know, fast forward 22 years, it's always been a little tough because, it's you know, she's still that 12-year-old girl and there's a lot of guilt that goes with, now I'm 22, you know, and she missed that. And she didn't leave a note, so why did she do it? So I decided to write a suicide note, essentially, to that music. And it really helped me process that whole thing of like what could have been possibly going through that mind. Um, And I think that was an epiphany for me of like use this to get through things. You know, most people go through stuff in their life, but they don't have an outlet like I do. That's one thing I'm so thankful for. That you know, whether it was losing my mom, I wrote a song "Fade Away" about that, or breakups, or being really happy about something. You know, I get to use this. creative form to ex- not only express myself but to connect with other people over you know things that we all go through and kind of heal you know
1: that's really the amazing thing about blues is that when you do write you're you know whether it's you or another artist the fan the person that's absorbing the music is more or less hearing a diary entry of that person's life
0: yeah Yeah, exactly that. I've always said it's like journaling, really, but to music, Um, you know, and it's really interesting for me now we're starting to get lots more women coming out. I always had quite a male dominated audience, which is kind of usual in like the guitar blues market. And um, I realized it's because I'm female and I'm writing from a female perspective. So, of course, the things I'm singing about are probably going to hit home with women more than, you know, I don't know what it's like to be a man. I've never been one. Um, So that's been really interesting to see.
1: The new single is Sweet Little Lies. It's streaming everywhere. It's available everywhere. How did that song come about?
0: Uh, actually, I wrote that song on piano. It was one of those things that I'd written a lot for Nobody's Fool, the most recent album. And um, I kind of got to that point with writing where you look at the guitar and you keep repeating things you've already written. So I decided to sit down at piano and, and you know, it's not an instrument. I know. certainly don't know it as well as I know guitar. Um so it was a bit more freeing, and I came up with the, the piano part and then wrote it around that. Um, and actually, Joe Bonamassa helped me out, because as soon as I wrote the piano part, I had a... All time, stuck in my head to the point where I don't know if this is bad because it's stuck in my head, like it's really annoying, or is it good? Um, so we went out for dinner. I was like, hey, can I play this? I like, is it annoying, or could it be something? She's like, finish the song, it could be definitely something. So, um. I owe my big brother a beer for helping me out on that one. <laughs> you
1: yeah, know, it's an amazing song. It really is. And and you, know, you talk about writing on a piano. How did that, obviously you don't know it as well as guitar, like you said, but how did that unlock more more parts of your creative brain to, you know, Did it change how you write a melody? Did it change how you structure a song? Were there any differences in the end of putting this song together because of the because it was written on piano?
0: I think so. I think melodically because really if I sit at a piano, I'm working off what feels and sounds good, whereas sometimes with guitar, particularly if you've been writing a lot, you tend to be uh, restricted by habits. Like, oh, this sounds good, and usually now I would go here. Um, it's a little hard to, to think outside of your usual box, you know? So, I mean, sitting at a piano, that is an instrument you don't know, but you can, you know, press down and go, well, that sounds pretty, and what if I go here and, you know, kind of sing along? And So, it's um, yeah, it opened up a few more areas I probably wouldn't have, have, have approached on the guitar.
1: You're on the road now touring. How much longer through this year are you touring, and what are the plans for next year?
0: Um, We go straight through till December 1st. So I'm out for the rest of the year, pretty much. I have a break of a week in the middle, which is when I'm going to go home and put up my Christmas tree and all my Harry Potter decorations so that when I'm done touring, it's Christmas. Um, And then next year, we start up again in uh, the UK in February.
1: When you're on on the road, do you create a lot? Do you write a lot or do you kind of need a certain space or a certain area to write music?
0: Uh, I did on the last tour and that's when I finished that uh, the album was just recorded, which isn't out yet, but um, I did on the last tour. Unfortunately, this tour, I've just got a puppy. So um, that's not giving me a lot of time on tour to sit down and be creative. But um, usually I spend a couple of hours before soundcheck in the dressing room kind of getting some ideas together, um, which is also a necessity because when you tour a lot, it's nice that your time off is time off, you know, to focus on your friends and, and family and, relationships and kind of you know make sure you've got that um balance i suppose in life
1: you know when you're when you're writing i've talked to artists who say they can write on a battlefield they don't they can they're not distracted they can get in that bubble and and just hone in on what they need to do and then there's other artists that need a certain experience or a certain atmosphere to write are you pretty adaptive in your creative process
0: I'm someone who needs a timeline. Like, uh, I'm the kid that was handing in that, finishing the homework the night before it needed to be handed in. I need that kind of panic to um, get me to, to work. So if it's like, I, I think Dirty Truth, by one hour I wrote three days before we started recording. Like, I need to be panicking and, and really to force myself to focus. I've, I've got, I'm ADD, so uh, that, that kind of that kind of helps me. I don't think I could focus on a battlefield. I would never want to be on a battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think unless this... it's in the Wizarding World, and then I'm down for it. Yes, yes.
1: When you are per- making a new record and making, you know, you have a, a whole bunch of songs that you're bringing in the studio. Is there a common thread with the songs? Do each song stand on their own? Are you trying to say something through the whole album? Or just song by song.
0: For me, I think I go song by song. I think you know, make sure every song's as good as it can be, and then you record the best ones. Um, you know, and, and usually the best ones are the ones you feel the most. So, um, you know, I'm 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 not the kind of person that tries to do fillers. You know, I try and make every song as strong as it possibly can, and um, yeah. But it's all kind of standalone for me, I think.
1: You know, I think when you I think back when you talked about writing a song on piano, you know, it, it's known too that from time to time and a lot of his music and later on in his career was Eddie Van Halen wrote a lot of his guitar parts on piano.
0: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that.
1: Yeah, he, well, he was a classically trained piano player. And I didn't
0: know that, but I wouldn't have thought he was a um, I didn't know he wrote on piano
1: yeah I mean not everything, but a lot of his work was written on piano, and you can kind of hear the different types of melodies and and it's interesting mm. that, you know when when a guitar player like yourself and and he does and other players write on a different instrument and transfer that over to the guitar, I think it's such a cool thing because it really it takes a, the listener on a different type of journey and imagine it takes you the artist on a different type of journey,
0: yeah I mean it's again, it's a century like it's just more tools in your arsenal. You know, it's like if you were to draw a picture and all of a sudden you've got extra colors to play with, you know, um, so you can, you know, grow the picture further. I think that's the best way of kind of explaining it. It's, it's the same picture, but there's extra colors.
1: What can we expect from the new album that you recorded?
0: Um, I'm really excited about this album. The last album, Nobody's Fall was a really fun one for me because I did sort of, like two traditional blues albums back to back, so I kind of messed around a bit more and tried to push myself as a as a, a songwriter and have it be a bit more diverse so this one has kind of i've worked it as like a stepping stone from nobody's Fall, which was a bit more poppy and soul and kind of bridged the gap back to blues so um you know focusing on kind of the challenges writing pop songs that feel like blues is what I love
1: interesting. How long was this process for you? How long did you sit with these songs before you recorded them?
0: Uh, It was pretty quick. I had quite a few left over from Nobody's Fall, which really felt like, again, that would help bridge, you know, back to the blues. Um, And I did a lot of collaboration. I wrote with uh, my guitar player, Joey, and um, my friend Carmen Vandenberg. Um, So it 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 was pretty, it was a fun one.
1: How do you decide on approach for an album? When you're when you're putting that together, like you mentioned that you wanted to kind of have a bridge back to the blues. How, mm. you, how do you how do you come to that conclusion? How do you come come to that decision? That's what you want to do. Uh,
0: well, I think for me, the, the main thing I focus on is when I look back, you know, at my career. Hopefully, when I'm very very old and gray, um I've always said I want my albums to sound like joan Shaw Taylor. Every album's going to be different, but I want it, you know, to all sound like one artist. Um, So I think for me, you know, that is important to say, how do I get from something like Nobody's Falls that had some pop songs on it and kind of a punk song? And how do I make this album, if you were to look back, you know, I don't want Nobody's Fall to be too much of a departure. You know, I want it all to flow. So that's the only main concern for me. But the main thing, again, to focus on is just write the best songs and and pick the best songs. Um, And even if you don't write them, you know, Uh, because, you know, it's like Dave Stewart said to me once, everyone's favorite guitar solo is Hotel California, and that's because it's in a really good song, so everyone's heard it, you know? No one ever says White Cliffs of Dover, Um, you know?
1: Very true, very true. When you, um, you know, when when you're, you know, creating, you know, a record, an album, when you're thinking about the process, you know, there's always... You mentioned that you wanted to sound like Joanne Shaw Taylor. Is your sound still evolving?
0: I hope so. You know, I mean, that's going back to that thing we discussed about emotion. Um, you know, I'm still writing, like, you know, there's the Adele joke of like you have to break up with someone everyone, every album to, you know, to get songs. And, you know, a lot of the stuff I'm writing about is the relationships I had 10 years ago, but now I'm 38 and I, you know, have a different take on them and I feel differently about them. So I hope as I age, you know, that will come into play and uh, there'll be different emotions and different feelings about the same old emotions, if that makes sense. Um So, yeah, I definitely hope it evolves and, you know, is an, music is an extension of me and hopefully I'm going to change and continue to be a better person and more experienced and, and. Older and wiser, and you know, hopefully, the music will reflect that.
1: Joanne, this has been a great conversation. I, I thank you so much for the time and, and uh, getting to know you over the last half hour.
0: Oh, thank you, love. No, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for uh, for taking the time.
1: Absolutely, everyone. That is Joanne Shaw Taylor. Check out her new single "Sweet Little Lies" on all streaming platforms. Looking forward also to her new album when that comes out too as well. And go check tour dates on her website. All her information will be in the show notes. So once you're listening and once you stop listening, scroll down and you'll be able to get all her information for social media and her website. This has been another episode of The Hook Rocks. Once again, I'm Jay Scott. Take care of each other and we will talk soon. Thank you.